What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Oh, shit. We got someone in the studio, a good buddy of mine who I met in person at the Mad Monster Party in Phoenix. It's Brad Thornton. Thank you, Alex. I'm honored to be here. Getting through both of these movies in one night was a bit of a task. (laughs) I'm here. I'm ready. Getting through them at all is somewhat of a... (laughs) I took like 40 cigarette breaks during part four, dude. (laughs) My childhood weeps. <laughs> Basically, guys, Brittany is out sick uh, this week. I wish her well. Like, seriously, I hope everything's cool. But she should be back next week, guys. So just to let you know. But we're watching Howling 3 and 4 this week for episode 104. So how you doing, man? How have you been? I'm good, man. I'm getting ready to go on a very long vacation to Mexico on a carnival cruise boat. So it's been last minute rushing for that shit. So a little stressed out. It was kind of nice to unwind and just watch some corny 80s werewolf action. <laughs> yeah. Right before the storm, so to speak. Correct. Dude, sometimes going on vacation is kind of stressful. You know, I don't it know is. why. The prep is and you're worried about your home and shit like there's there's a lot. You got to manage a lot of feelings when you go on vacation. It's usually the beginning and the end. It's never, you know, in between usually. Well, hopefully. Anyway, no, but. just like Mad Monster, that shit was off the hook. I didn't think about anything the whole <laughs> three days till I was on my way back. Oh man, uh, we got I got pretty uh, messed up. I didn't end up going the last day, but yeah, we met at the convention, and I, at least we hit it off pretty quick, didn't we? I'd say yeah, absolutely, man. From moment one, I saw you talking to a group of friends, and uh, just walked up behind you and stood there like a fucking psycho, and you were like, "Hey!" <laughs> I didn't you know. One moment where you, I came out and I was like, hey, and you're like, oh, you've got a lot of stuff. Let me see. And you're like, unless you don't want to show me, I understand. And I was like, I'll show you my dick if you want. <laughs> and then I realized your buddy and his like daughter were sitting right there. And I was like, oh, fuck. Hey, hey I, guys, this is Brad. <laughs> want to see his dick? Myself over and over again. I hope I was a charming, endearing fool at Mad Monster. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, man, we had a good time out there. That that so you're definitely coming out next year, right? Yeah, that's my main con now. I had so much fun that now Monster Palooza and Son of Monster Palooza have been put on the back burner, and I do three days at Mad Monster above all else. Nice. I'm excited to see who's going to be there next year. And by the way, guys, if you don't already know, uh, Brad is actually an admin over at another Facebook group called Killer Flicks. And I'll put a link down below if you guys want to join in there. Uh, a lot of really great people having great conversations, just like we do in Do You Love Horror? So 
definitely add them to the group. Uh, I don't know if there's any questions they ask. We we like to keep it douchebag free, so we we mod we modded the questions a little bit. The first couple are just like getting to know your horror taste really easy, and then the last one is like, how do you react when somebody clashes with you? Because we don't like bullshit flamers and and fighting in the group. So right, we try to keep that riff raff out. <laughs> I just want to say like, if you are a horror fan and you watch Drum Dums or Cody Leach or Sinister Cinema on youtube those are all admins and mods in the group it's very horror youtube centric absolutely yeah that's true a lot of videos in there too good stuff like like, like live videos even sometimes like in the in the group actually so oh and it did if you stay long enough you will see me mostly naked at some point i, <laughs> I think i've been featured partially nude at least two or three times in the group yeah, so now everybody's not going to come, Brad. Thanks. Wait, way to go. Way to ruin it. I could be sexy. <laughs> well, I think it might be that time. Time to stare into the void. Horseshots! All right, guys, so... As you know, we're going to be watching Howling 3 and 4. I decided to pick one of the movies that we have a lot to say about, and this shot is based off of Howling 4, the original nightmare, and we're calling this one a soupy dick. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why is because one of the characters in the movie, his name is Richard, and he turns into a piling mess of soup and then reforms into a werewolf. One of the best scenes in the thing, probably, but... This is a layered shot, so it'd be very similar to like a B-52, which has Grand Marnier along with Kahlua and Bailey's. Only with this one, we're going to change it up a bit. We're going to layer this in this order, guys. So it's one part Kahlua. You could spoon in the rest after this. You go one part Bailey's after that, and then one part Old Crow bourbon for cheap shit because, well, the movie. And then you splash it with a little dash of triple sec and then you look each other in the face and you punch yourself in the face because this movie's terrible <laughs> <laughs> sorry ahead, not sorry <laughs> we do whatever the fuck we want here you know what i mean beautiful I, i'd also like to say that any drink here could be considered hair of the dog <laughs> <laughs> so guys if you would like to check out and how to make a soupy dick. All you got to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. Well, that's it for horror shots. So now we're going to jump into some news. Some of it's actually been pretty interesting. So unlike the week before or the week before that, it hasn't really been all that great. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the fucking news. Here is the fucking news. Well, today we have a few things. One that you actually shared that I hadn't seen because I've been busy. But there is a new Evil Dead game coming. Holy shit balls! I am ecstatic about this because I love Evil Dead Regeneration that came out on Xbox. And PS2, right? Was it the first Xbox, the OG Xbox? I'm pretty sure. Well, I know there was a previous game on PlayStation 1, and it was terrible. You had to collect Necronomicon pages the whole time, and they were fucking hidden, and the, everything was hard. <laughs> that was a terrible game. But, was that yeah, the one that was on Dreamcast? Too? I'm thinking was... 
Xbox, the first Xbox and PlayStation Two were when we had some the the latest where you kicked the midget around, played yes. by Ted Raimi, which is midget Ted Raimi, midget. yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, you know, they canceled Ash versus Evil Dead, but before that, they had kind of tease that they might be actually doing something else so there was an interview that bloody disgusting actually did a full interview that they're going to be coming out with probably by the weekend here so or at least this week guys but someone asked him oh no no he said that's different uh because she said she wanted to ask about ever doing anything again as bruce and he said well and she said something about the video game he said oh no that's different he said i have previous obligations i have to fulfill they're doing a video game a whole immersive kind of dealio i'll be asked for that because i wouldn't want some other someone else's voice hamming it up i'm really happy about that so there are two schools of thought i have with this game that's coming out one is if it was pre-planned, I'm wondering, you know, if the story's already in stone. Because the second thing is I would really like it if the video game could continue from where the show left off. Right. Because that is like begging to be a video game. Just a post-apocalyptic, spoiler alert, Mad Max style fucking <laughs> game. Ash driving around in his war machine, taking care of like cyber deadites and shit. I'd play that for the rest of my life yeah i i'm hoping that it's actually written by some of the same guys too like sam raimi and shit like that because i think he wrote evil dead regeneration oh that's beautiful and that's why i think a lot of people really like that but yeah a lot hail to the king and a fistful of boomstick were not so great games honestly so I'm looking forward to this one. Hopefully it's really good and they actually put some real money into it. I hope so. Hopefully they just skin like Batman, Arkham Knight and Mad Max <laughs> make it like that. Just steal heavily. Get, the, get us this game quick. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I almost like a, like just the, I know and this is not a good thing for some of you guys out there. There is the Friday the 13th video game and they, they did say at the convention that they're going to be working on a new project that people should be happy with and they didn't say what it was although a lot of people think it was Kane Hodder involved and maybe maybe it is something else like uh, Hatchet but I don't know so maybe it could be this we don't know Hatchet or Halloween would be neat and then Kane Hodder could live his dream of actually getting to play Michael Myers right yeah oh yeah I didn't know about that that would be interesting I don't know if they would do it but we'll see are you ready for a fun fact, Alex? Please do. <laughs> Drop it on me. He has played almost all four of the, you know, most iconic slashers. He was the glove in Freddy or in uh, Jason Goes to Hell. He was the Freddy glove that popped out and grabbed the mask. Obviously, he's been Jason. And he stunt doubled Leatherface in part three. So he said his dream is to cap it off and get to play Michael Myers someday. So, uh, yeah, that would be perfect. His body language, man, that's what does it all. That seething brute. Also, in other news, the writer of Fox Exorcist TV show is actually going to be doing and writing the Tommy Knockers, and also James Wan is not going to be directing it. So, uh, I think it's pretty interesting that they've got the Exorcist writer. Um, some people have actually said that the show is really good. I haven't finished it, to be honest. Uh, I kind of lost track towards the end, but I heard it got really good in the first season at the very end, and I still haven't seen second season yet. But looks like Jeremy Slater, who created the the show is actually going to be doing it so um they're going to be doing that that was this was announced on the wrap so if you guys want to check out the link to that below you can there's not really a whole lot of information about that but what do you think about that brad 
Um, any Stephen King adaption made in this era is bound to be good because people are starting to understand that sticking to the source material as much as possible is a good idea. And, you know, as long as it's not like a made-for-TV movie like the shitty Langoliers that came out, you know, we're probably in for a treat. I think so, too, because right now Stephen King's back, so they're actually putting money into it. Not like the original Tommy Knockers, which was like 90s poop, in my opinion. But a lot of people really liked it. Liked it. I mean, there is some good stuff in it. I really did like some of the beginning stuff, but where it went. The special effects of that movie make Jumanji look amazing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, fuck yeah. That looks like insane. (laughs) I mean, how do you do a story like that back then when we didn't even have the technology? Now we have the technology, so I'm kind of curious. Yeah. But yeah, on in other news, we also recently got to hear from Christina Lease, who is from the child's play 2 movie she basically sat down with horror geek life and had a talk about the new child's play tv series and also the new chucky movie that they're coming out with because they're going to be doing it simultaneously as you guys may or may not know uh she talked about it pretty pretty blatantly she said i think it's unbelievably huge dick move i think it's a, a douche move absolutely i don't know why they would fuck with a healthy franchise to make a competing franchise with an existing and like you said healthy robust franchise is super douchey and nobody from the original franchise is involved they're not going to have brad dorf they're not going to have don and they're not going to have any of us she even went on to say i think the doll is going to be an artificial intelligence doll that goes haywire so it's not going to have the whole element of the serial killing possessing it etc so it's not going to be really chucky film so i don't know why they're just taking the title and stealing it and mucking up the waters well there's another company that owns the just the first movie so they're just doing it for money they don't give a single shit well i think the child's play they're keeping the child's play for the tv series and i think that the movie is going to be called chucky believe it or not that's weird because you know they're not using charles lee ray apparently it's just like a you know like a teddy ruxpin that gained sentience so i don't know why they would call it i guess if they're keeping the name chucky that's just lame right just play and make it a different villain i thought that they were gonna go as some of you guys know that they had the i forget what it was called i think it was like blood brothers or blood something where basically the little kid basically puts his blood cuts his finger and puts it with the chucky doll and that was the original story and then they changed it around a little bit more uh, and the doll came back to life well i thought that they might have gone that route but instead they're doing something completely different so but yeah she said it's especially douchey when you know that don is developing a tv series and going back to using the title child's play not bride of seed of curse of cult of it's going back to child's play name so And it's already deep into development. So she was pretty upset about that. It's a shit move. I think so, too. Uh, I I don't know why they would do it at the same time. Generally, they don't try to compete with each other like that. And I think... Maybe maybe the, the producers think it's a little too hokey what Don Mancini's doing, but I actually really like Cult of Chucky, so... I will tell you that I've kind of had a little bit of inside knowledge on this since Mad Monster because I was talking to Alex Vincent and Christine, Can and Alex share? build this information and was telling me how it's going to continue. So I'm hyped. Like I don't give a shit about that movie, but there's going to be a TV show where we're going to find out what happens to you know Fiona Doris' character after she's been possessed by Charles and the army of Chuckies and 
you know, how Kyle from the extra scene at the end on the one version, how that's going to factor into the story. Like, it's going to kick ass. It's everything that somebody that's happy with the Child's Play franchise could possibly want. Dude, now, I loved how dark he was in the cult. Like, I, thought it was, I was like, holy shit, this is fucked up. He's all torturing Chucky. Oh, yeah. I went up to that man and I begged him. I'm like, please tell me that we're, the last we see of Andy's not going to be in an insane asylum where he, like, you know, fucks up his plan five minutes after initiating it. And he, <laughs> assured, he assured me that it's going to continue. So, Well, I hope it goes well for at least the TV show. I'm not going to keep my hopes up for the movie. So, yeah. But in other news, we got the Screen Factory details on the massive record collection Blu-ray box set, which I am super stoked about. And I know a few of you guys are because we've talked about it in the group. It looks like they're going to have, for the first record, they're going to have audio commentary with the directors Wame Balguera and Paco Plaza in uh, Spanish with English subtitles. They're going to have the making of record 40 minutes, crew interviews for 46 minutes, extended scenes, deleted scenes, behind the scenes footage, which is 43 minutes. So you're getting like almost like two movies worth of shit here just in this one movie. Chord two, they're going to have in Spanish with English subtitles. They are going to have the English dub for the first one, by the way, too, if you want to listen to that. But I will. The second one's going to have audio commentary with writers, directors, same as the first. They're going to have the making of, which is a 118 minute making of for part two it's called in an affected world behind the scenes deleted scenes walk through the set all kinds of stuff there part three in spanish with subtitles record uh genesis preparing a bloody wedding as uh, a 117 minute documentary another making of record three deleted scenes outtakes all that and then uh record four apocalypse they're just going to have the english subtitles making of theatrical trailers etc so i'm excited i really want to buy this because i've been wanting to get it for like years they had the first three out and i was like i missed it but it was it's really expensive right now so i'm excited for it have you seen them I have not, and I'll admit right now that this is the first I heard that they're that you pronounce it record. I've been calling them wreck for a, a lot of people do. Um, but no, I was excited to find out that this pack is released because I would like to dive into them, and I was you know to get them all at once because I'm a Blu-ray snob, and it it's hard for me to get some of the later sequels to horror movies that have not been transferred over. So when they do a box set like this or Critters, I get pretty stoked. Yeah, that's another one I'm looking forward to. So. Got to get that because that's been fucking it's only come to DVD and uh, we haven't seen anything really. So also in the news, apparently there was going to be a TV show that Sci-Fi almost made. It was going to be a sequel miniseries to The Thing that they were going to do back in 2005. They recently just posted some of the the actual pages from the script uh, on one of the Twitter pages, the Instagram account, The Thing Collector Community. So they said, back in 2005, Sci-Fi Network planned a four-hour television miniseries sequel to The Thing to be called, wait for it, Return of the Thing. It was written by David Leslie Johnson, they detail. Uh, it says David is busy to this day, wrote the upcoming Aquaman. The producer was to be Frank Darabont, which is actually a good thing. Uh, they continue, it never... It was never produced. Why? I don't know. Doesn't seem to be any clear reason. Sci-Fi Channel was pretty big at the time. My digging hasn't found a clear reason. If anyone has info, feel free to add to the story. And so they posted a few pages on, on the Instagram page. So if you guys want to check that out, 
So what do you think of that, man? I'll tell you, I don't know that you want to follow the story of McCready ever. So I haven't actually looked at the article. Was was he he going to be a was he going to be referenced? Was is it a direct sequel in that vein, or just like a later time with a different encounter with an alien? They didn't really say too too much on that. Uh, they have the first few pages of the script. Because uh, I don't want to see anything that like confirms which one of them was the thing. You know what I mean? That's why I get scared when they talk about like following up that story is like you don't want to ruin the mystique of like was it him was it his buddy well it does say here like it says we open with footage from carpenter movie the last scene flames are consuming the remains of a scientific outpost a man enters frame wrapped in a blanket clutching a bottle of jmb beard crusted with ice so we know who that is sombrero tied around his neck we know this guy it's mccready he staggers towards us sits down heavily starts to raise a bottle to his lips then stops another figure appears behind him black bald and bundled in a parka clutching a flamethrower this is childs mcready seems startled to see him no not startled afraid so i guess they would have played on the fact that they didn't know who was the alien or not like everybody wondered after the movie so i guess it doesn't really matter because whoever's the alien is probably gonna motherfucking kill the other one so no matter what both of those guys are dead and the alien lives if they're <laughs> with anybody being the thing and john carpenter's always like doesn't want to tell anybody who was in fact that he said there is a definitive answer but he, he I doesn't want anybody to know because there is a thing video game and i have been informed that it was written by john carpenter and follows the first movie and like at the end mccready picks you up in a helicopter so it kind of feels like they've already confirm that mccready was the human yeah i actually have that game and i've been planning to play it on the stream <laughs> so i i don't remember it's been so long i i, I remember the yeah i'd have to look it up i think they were both dead in it they were frozen well, just fucking savage i don't want to know anything beyond the ending of that film for those characters like it's <laughs> like so beautiful how they throw it into the wind for your imagination well and, and let's face it even though i love frank darabout and that's a good sign to see something like that. I really don't think it would have been that good. Yeah, um, I'm going to go ahead and say, like, final verdict. I'm glad it got shelved. <laughs> I would agree, man. But that is it for the news. Okay, guys, so now we're going to go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes segment of Howling 3, The Marsupials. And Howling for the original Nightmare. So stick around. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. jump into the chronological order obviously howling three the marsupials which came out in 1986 first off i just want to say i actually felt like this was a 90s movie i thought it was and then because it even though it had like 80s themes and silliness it felt like a 90s film to me i don't know why yeah i would not have placed it at 86 right the story for this one is and believe me this story is fucking batshit a strange race of human-like marsupials appear suddenly in Australia, and a sociologist who studies these creatures falls in love with a female one. Is this a dangerous combination? You betcha. Or is it the love story of all time? Uh, 
It is written and directed by Philippe Mora, who actually did Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf, a.k.a. Sturbo Werewolf Bitch. Uh, he also did a movie called Pterodactyl Woman from Beverly Hills, which, by the way, stars Beverly D'Angelo <laughs> from uh, the uh, Vacation movies. He also did Communion and The Beast Within. The special effects were done by Bob McCarran, who did work on movies like Razorback, Dead Alive, Body Melt, The Matrix, Mad Max 2, Road Warrior, and Beyond Thunderdome. So pretty talented individual to do the special effects in this. Uh, some of the cast is Barry Otto, who is Professor Harry Beckmeyer. He was in The Punisher from 1989, the Dolph Lundgren version, Australia, and Strictly Ballroom. It also has Imogen Ainsley, who is Jerboa Jerboa. She was a club vampire in The Queen of the Damned. She's pretty fucking hot. <laughs> yeah, she was uh, 17, by the way. So, uh... Well, I was staring at them Jerboas, and I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> she, she also was in a couple episodes of Farscape, which a couple of the other people were, too. Plus a few random other films and TV shows. Nothing that I recognize. It also stars Lee Biolas, who is Donnie Martin. He didn't do too much. He was in uh, Les Patterson Saves the World, Great Expectations, the Untold Story TV movie, and a movie called Echoes of Paradise. Also stars Max Fairchild, who is Thilo. He is the head werewolf marsupial whatever mix. He was in Mad Max, The Road Warrior and Mad Max 2, or make, a.k.a. Mad Max 2, plus a comedy called The Barbecue. <laughs> uh, I think I recognize him from the Mad Max shit, but also stars Dagmar Blavo, Blahova. She plays Olga Gorky, the Russian werewolf, basically. She's in Sons of Steel, the sci-fi movie, Nexus 2431, Children of Dune, and Melada. It also stars Michael Pate, who is the president of the United States in this movie. He's been into some acting since the 40s. He was in Curse of the Undead from 59, Return of Captain Invisible, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea TV series. He did like three episodes. He did The Time Tunnel. He actually passed away in September of 2008. Also stars Frank Thring. Yes, T-H-R-I-N-G, Thring. He plays Jack Citron. Or, as some people like to call him, uh, Alfred Hitchcock wannabe sort of guy. Uh, he was he's the magnificent. Yeah, he was fucking intense. He was, uh, he's actually a seasoned actor. He was in movies like Ben-Hur, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. So, um, the budget for this movie, by the way, was made with one million Australian in 20 days. So... Brad, what are your thoughts on this wonderful masterpiece? Well, I'll tell you, my thoughts changed last night. I, I double featured our movies and I watched The Howling 3 and I was like, yeah, you know what? It was all right. And then I watched The Howling 4 and I'm like, the fucking Howling 3 is a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm happened coming to me. Into this excited. I liked it. The story was okay. Like at first, you know, it was a little hokey, but th there were some standout scenes that either made me chuckle or I just thought were okay. The transformations were pretty bad, but some of the actual werewolves, once they were moving, looked all right. And uh, the ending was interesting. Not the end ending, but just kind of like the resolution. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this is this could be a three out of five star um, as, as far as like horror movies go. Werewolf so a six, movie. a rewatchable movie. Yes, it is. All right. Well, I'm actually a big fan of the second movie, which Philippe did uh, also. 
I think it's hilarious. It's I, I've stated this before when we recovered it last time. It's in the so bad it's good category. I fucking absolutely love it for that reason. It's one of my top so bad it's good movies. So I was kind of hoping for a little bit of a a little more familiar romp with it. So it's it's similar in absurdity, but nowhere near as good as the second one. But like you said, you know, watching the fourth one really puts this one into perspective. So um, at first I was kind of laughing and getting my so bad it's good fill. Then it slowly kind of dissolves into, into from like the silly to a kid's family film about werewolves, which is odd. I don't know. You get a lot of silliness from part two in there. But I, I mean, I had a really good couple of laughs in the beginning. It's supposed to be a comedy, but it's a PG-13 comedy. So... Um, yeah, there's a scene where a guy was talking about, you know, whether or not he believes in werewolves and he's a military man. And he says, you know, he, he did believe in paranormal stuff until he found out that a UFO was actually a condom filled with dog shit and a flashlight. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the first scene I jotted down because it really it jarred me. And I was like, that was great. <laughs> that is a good one. There is some good practical effects, sort of. They did it very cartoonish without any gore or anything. So the creatures kind of turned into like puppets to me in my mind. So well, the first transformation we see is not really a werewolf from the movie. It's them going to a movie about werewolves. Right. But so, even even the real ones, though, were yeah, a little puppety. That was the problem is that when I saw that scene, I had remembered that I like watched part of this movie when I was a kid. And I remember the goofy ass werewolf from the hospital scene of the movie within the movie. And that was what I thought the werewolves in this movie were going to look like. And so when I saw that it was a fictional story within the story, I was relieved. And then the next transformation I saw wasn't much better than that. But there, <laughs> were, there was a decent one when the dude was getting electrocuted and at the end they just graze over the transformation but the werewolf itself the aborigine looking werewolf was cool right there is some good stuff in there i mean there's definitely talent because you mean you got you got fucking bob mccarran who's done a lot of work uh but yeah i think it might have been a budgetary restraint a little bit um i'm not sure why the hell they decided to go with this deeper meaning message it's like one of the most ridiculous love stories ever made in some sense towards the end. I wish it kind of would have kept that funnier tone in the beginning because it gets really serious. And for a long, the last 30 minutes are pretty much the longest montage of the human werewolves and marsupials frolicking in the wilderness like some sort of sound <laughs> of music or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 it just kind of lost me at that point. I'm, I, I kind of almost expected them to sing a song, literally. Like, I thought it might be. <laughs> I mean, fuck it. Was, it was tonally uneven. I'll give it that. But um, I like the story in general, like that they had an offshoot werewolf race that was based on a wolf that's actually a marsupial. And, you know, they had pouches, but they also they don't just say like, oh, this is what werewolves are in our world. They acknowledge that there are European werewolves that are more traditional and they actually have a character that comes in that is one of those werewolves. And so the fact that it was inclusive like that made me really appreciate that these were some weird ass marsupial werewolves. Absolutely. I think I think Philippe, uh he actually even said like he's like, you would expect this kind of movie to be kind of just simple. He's like, but the story in this is actually pretty complex. So they did okay. do the Tasmanian tiger. Isn't that what it was? Why was it tiger? Yeah, that's what they call it. A Tasmanian tiger. But they had pouches, too. So Tasmanian I didn't understand. Wolf. It was Tasmanian wolf. Yeah, it's a Tasmanian tiger that they talk about in the film. Okay. 
but they have pouches like marsupials, so it's really confusing. I, I, as back to the special effects, though, I, I, there's practically no blood, guys. So there is one dream sequence that we'll talk about a little bit later in our standout scenes, but that had some kind of gore-filled homage to Alien. But even that was pretty bone dry, unless you count smeared blood on someone's neck. It's pretty much it has its transformations, but there's like not a lot of blood. I, and that's probably because it's a PG 13 film. Yeah. You're tuning into this. If you just like the beast, the werewolf, like if you like to watch Lon Chaney as the werewolf, some of the earlier werewolf films where you didn't need blood, if that's okay with you, then this movie will work. Well, from the tone of the first one though, we get treated to a fucking, you know, insane fucking creature coming out of the fucking dark, like to kill fucking D Wallace. D Wallace. Yeah. My monster, she was lovely. She was really nice. But I guess if, I don't know, I, I, I'm i not sure really how I feel about this. After comparing it to the fourth one, and we'll get into that more later, I'm not sure why they opted for the heartfelt tale part of the interspecies families thing at the end. I'm not sure why they opted for a PG-13. Um, I'm a gorehound, so I'm pretty, I, I want to see some gore, but... I didn't I don't I don't really know what I think about this movie. It, it it wasn't scary. It wasn't even that particularly funny compared to like part 2 that Philippe did, even though it it is a comedy. So it's just kind of weird. It had some a uh, confusing plot. It is definitely one you're going to have to watch again to fully grasp the entire plot because you're going to miss some shit. So, I guess I would sum it up if I had to give this a score. There is an interesting thing about it though cuz I think one of the lines from the film epitomizes this movie in a way. He says, Andy Warhol showed us pop culture could be a higher art form. In fact, everything is higher art. That's what this is all about. For example, in your first scene, you'll be gang raped by four monsters. So <laughs> I think I think that sums it up. <laughs> to, to me, this movie had enough rewatchability in various ways that I'm glad that it comes in a three-pack with Howling 5 and 6. Like, I'll be happy to add this to my collection. I got the 5 and 6 in a two-pack, and then I got that one as a standalone, 3 and 4. That's yeah. nice, because uh, it's hard to find 4. Is it? It's never been put onto Blu-ray. It's probably because no one wants it. I think they probably burn them all in a fire. Oh, somewhere. hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves. That, we, we, they don't know how we feel about this movie. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, guys, you're going to want to stick around for that one. <laughs> So if you had to give this one a score, you said three out of three out of five, so six yeah, out of ten. Didn't move my world, but I was able to get through it. I'm just trying to be generous because there's stuff about it that I liked. So you know, two and a half to three. Compared to this, if I had to compare it to the second one, which I like, I prefer more. I would say that it's probably like a five, maybe a four point five compared to that one. So. Now, there is some interesting trivia. I kind of mentioned that, you know, some of the stuff about uh, Mora, the director and writer, he said that he actually didn't like Howling 2 because the studio had their hands in it. So he wanted a shot at making a Howling movie, part three in this case, to make his own mistakes with, as he <laughs> called it, <laughs> which is pretty apropos. Yeah, uh, I think it's a pretty interesting movie, though, and. And considering it's actually considered an exploitation film, which is interesting because it's PG-13. But, you know, Australia is pretty strict about some things out there. So fucked up part about it is, is that when they put this in the theaters out there, they actually put a rated R on it. Interesting. Even though it was a PG-13 film. 
So a lot of kids didn't get to see it until it actually hit, you know, rental. And that's where it found its popularity is in the rental space. And I think on like Cinemax and shit like that. So Jaboa Jaboa, the character, Nicole Kidman actually almost played her. Whoa. <laughs> but obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> but I don't it makes would have had eyes wide shut with Nicole Kidman if she had played Jaboa Jaboa. <laughs> was didn't she do that fucking rad movie or whatever? The fucking uh BMX bike movie? That was like one of her first movies, right? I don't know. I haven't dipped into her fucking filmography in a while because I don't like her. <laughs> There's a lot of hatred for her. You get that, guys? So, <laughs> do you know what the alternative name for this movie was, by the way? What's that? Womb with a view. That's hysterical, but man, it would have lost all possible credibility. <laughs> I know. Womb, because they have a fucking. These, the, the main character of this movie, one of the Jerboa, 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 she has a pouch on her belly and a hairy ass fucking stomach, too, by the way. Yeah. That goes all the way down to her scrum diddly ums. I'm kind of upset you told me she was 17. <laughs> yeah. The thing that was weird to me is like, I found out that she's 17, and I'm like, didn't they kind of show her breasts? They did, and that's one of the things I wrote down <clears throat> were her hairy werewolf boobs. But um, I am certain that it's like 16 is the age of consent in Australia. I'm, I'm fairly certain of that. That may be so, why. So technically where her boobs were filmed, it was legal. So I can look at them. That is so weird too, huh? That's the rule. <laughs> that's the rule. If it was legal when it was filmed, you can jerk off to it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh <laughs> I'm a wild card. <laughs> I don't know if I ever I think the only movie I remember even getting like a little weird about when I was a kid was the um, layer of the white worm because there was a sex scene in that movie that was oh, one of those yeah. Cinemax fl Skinemax flicks I should Hellraiser say. 4 and Jason Goes to Hell both had areas on the VHS that were well worn <laughs> little, little 30 second clips where it just wasn't as high quality anymore the tracking was not good enough at that point in time you had to get a new oh. When they introduced pausability on DVD that didn't have, like, snow, it changed the world. <laughs> so in other trivia, not about jerking off, um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you recognize this little fucking stupid thing in it, but you know the town was called Flo, right? Yes, named after my aunt. Really? It's also wolf backwards. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, like, I did. Control two level espionage. Like, let's name the town Nilbog. <laughs> right. It totally is. Right. Exactly. But I thought it was interesting. I didn't think of that when I heard the name, but I, I think the letters are all weird. So kind of made sense, I guess. I don't know. For some reason, when I hear flow as a name, I don't put the W on it. So I never would have thought of that. Right. Yeah. Also, Mora, the director, made the movie Mad Dog Morgan. Uh, which he refused to put a kangaroo in the film, and it sat with him for, like, many years. And he said that this film pretty much makes up for all of that. So, <laughs> because he did a whole story about kangaroos. Basically. Because, you know, in Australia, it's like, a, you know, it's cliche, you know, to have kangaroos everywhere. Like, he didn't want it to feel that way. So, I guess this one, he was like, well, fuck it. Let's make make a be kangaroo people. Yeah, I got a, a few Australian friends I game with, and uh, they fucking hate Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with, like, British folk who don't like, um, what's his name from uh, Shaun of the Dead? 
Oh, anyone that doesn't like Simon Pegg is fucking soulless. That man. A lot, a lot of British folks do not like his humor. I think it's just because he got too mainstream. So they were like, "Yeah." If you're but. British and you don't like Simon Pegg, just know that I like you less than I would have. <laughs> uh, you're on my hit list. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Tasmanian Tigers that I was talking about earlier, they actually, this is uh, based on real lore, or not lore, real history. Those Tasmanian Tigers that they talk about in depth in the movie were really wiped out. So that's sad. Yeah, Mora talks about it a lot because it's like a really big thing to him because it's it's real history that you know he got to see the extinction of a species over you know the course of however long. Just instantly they wiped them out, and these things were like really weird. They had these jaws that stretched out, like I guess to be able to help attack and kill so that they could do it. But the video they use in it of the Tasmanian tiger is a legit video. So, yeah. And that's a cool looking thing that they do. And I'm really upset because I didn't know they were extinct until this moment. So now I'm like mad at humanity. Yeah. That's how it is though. You know, it's don't, we don't, we don't realize it until it's gone. Yeah. Who would have known shooting them all in the face would have resulted in this. (laughs) I know you would think that maybe they were just testing it to see which one survived, you know, and it just didn't work. Fuck. <laughs> Speaking of animals in the movie, though, um, the baby marsupial that climbs from her vagine into the pouch was actually a mouse in a tiny baby werewolf suit. What in the shit? <laughs> I know, because I was thinking about that when I watched it. You see that the little creature's like moving, and I'm like, how the fuck are they doing this right now? Like, it looks like there's no wires. I can't see any mistakes. Like, they put a werewolf, baby werewolf suit on a mouse, and the director, he actually shot the pouch of the of the baby going in backwards. So they stuck him in there and put him back because they kept like putting pieces of cheese in the pouch, and the, and the mouse was just not going there. <laughs> So freaking out because he's in this horrific werewolf suit, the incredibly tiny werewolf suit. Yeah, like what the fuck? Like I, I was so weird, but he said it's the most bizarre scene he's ever shot. So yeah, it'd be hard to stop that. <laughs> um, also, if you guys want to have a, a depth to this movie, there is somewhat of a depth because he goes into some serious parallels about how marsupials and werewolves could be any other type of human and that we should be more tolerant of other races uh, to one another, you know, uh, and that's his message in this movie. So, yeah, it's basically the same message that the X-Men have been shouting at us since 1963. Pretty much. Yeah. So did you have any scenes that really stood out to you? I know you've been waiting on that one. So why don't you share it with us? Well, there were some scenes I really dug. Okay. I already mentioned the condom UFO one. Right. There there was a line where Jaboa is escaping from her village and someone asks her like, or this guy tells her she shouldn't run away from home. Like, why did she want to run away from home? And she just looks at him and goes, because my stepfather tried to rape me and he's a werewolf. (laughs) second great laugh of the movie i loved it um when you first see jaboa and uh her man laying in bed there's a beast within poster so yeah like you said that guy was working on that movie too so now i understand that that Um, part actually by the way is one of my it's not my favorite scene or anything but did you notice how insanely drenched in sweat they were like i gotta work out i've had some rough sex before but god damn like i mean even after sex 
again and having been sleeping they looked drenched you know what i mean it was like they were just dripping it mostly you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of fucking human centipede 2 that fucking guy do you know what i'm talking about the greasy dude no, i i haven't delved into that series yet oh my got- god what a treat i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> reese's pieces is brought to you by i was Aborigine werewolf was fucking dope. He reminded me of the orc from Lord of the Rings with all the body paint because the dude covers himself in like white powder and red markings. And then when he turns into a werewolf, he still looks like that. So he was cool. That was my favorite part of the movie when the the, uh, the first Aborigine berserker started attacking. The late, after that, you get to see the other guy become it, but it's a really quick scene, which I'm sure you'll talk about during your part. But aside from that, the the line of the movie has got to be when the Aborigine guy is dying and they're like trying to save him. <laughs> yes. He's super conscious and like l- lucid. And he just goes, no way. I'm just going to die. And then he fucking <laughs> dies like immediately. Like not like Yoda. No, he just dies. Like when he finishes his sentence, it was crazy. She goes, she says, guys, she goes, you're going to turn into a river. And then a rainbow, and then a mountain. He's like, "No way, I'm just gonna die." <laughs> That's fucking yeah. best dying line ever, almost. Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, the other scene that I really liked was the alien baby that comes out of her stomach pouch in the dream and starts screaming and shit. It's fucking that ridiculous and awesome. I was like, I don't remember this shit. Jesus Christ, what the fuck is happening? It's all screeching the whole time. And they're yelling at each other. She's like crying and freaking out and screaming. That was pretty (laughs) awesome. Absolutely. One last one that I wanted to bring up was the burned up werewolf attacks two soldiers. The Aborigine uh, guy, he dies and they burn him and and uh, it gets up. All the like bones get up and then it bites the neck of that guy and uh, he basically, the Philo of the Tasmanian wolf tribe asks for the power and turns into a gigantic werewolf to attack the same soldiers. I thought that was kind of a cool scene. It's not great, but it was okay. It's memorable. The guy fires off his RPG like right in the face of the werewolf and basically takes out him and the all the humans. So everyone's safe for now. <laughs> But yeah, guys, I think that uh, pretty much wraps up that movie. Um, now we're going to jump into one of the best pieces of fine cinema that you will ever see. And that is The Howling Four, the original <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> so the story on this masterpiece is a successful author moves to a new town after suffering a mental breakdown and is tormented by demons and, of course, werewolves. Actually, it, 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 this is a story that it is, is actually representing the more faithful adaptation of the novel that uh, Gary Brandner wrote and uh, Joe Dante didn't like. <laughs> uh, but it was directed by John Howell. I think it's Howe or Hugh, but I would say Howe. He did the movies The Watcher in the Woods, Treasure Island, Legend, The Legend of Hell House, The Return from Witch Mountain, and... The Incubus. It was written and produced by Clive Turner. He's produced movies like The Lawnmower Man 1 and 2. He also wrote, directed, and produced Howling 5, The Rebirth, and Howling New Moon Rising. It was also helped to screen write by Freddie Rowe, who only did Howling 5 Rebirth other than this. 
The special effects in this movie, by the way, is by none other than Steve Johnson of XFX. He's known for work in movies like Species 1 and 2, Blade 2, Predator, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, Leviathan, Howling 6, Necronomicon. He also did makeup for The Fog, Humanoids of the Deep, the 80s one, An American Werewolf in London, Videodrome, Howling 2, Big Trouble in Little China, Night of the Demons, and a fuck ton more. The man's fucking talented, okay? He's been in a lot of fucking amazing movies. I promise you he mentions this movie last out of all of those. <laughs> I guarantee it. But you know what? To be fair, we'll get on that the scene later, but there is a really good scene in this movie. Correct. Now, they're, the cast for this movie, I'm not going to go over everybody, just like four or five. Romy Windsor, who plays Marie, she was in Face Off, Surf Ninjas, Howling New Moon Rising, so she returns as Marie, by the way. Can't wait for that. Uh, Michael <laughs> T. Weiss is in this movie as Richard Adams, a.k.a. Dick, Soupy Dick. Uh, Days of Our Lives is one of the 23 episodes he did, which is funny because the entire time I was watching this film, I felt like it was a Days of Our Lives movie. And what the fuck? It totally is. <laughs> uh, he was also in the Dark Shadows 90s TV show as well. He did Freeway, Freeway 2, Bones, and Sunset Park. It also stars Suzanne Severied. Severied? She plays Janice. Uh, she was in Don't Answer the Phone and Looker. It also stars Anthony Hamilton, who plays Tom, the best friend, a.k.a., I don't know, maybe her lover. I don't fucking know. Nocturna, he was in that movie. Jumpin' Jack Flash, the Hitcher TV show from the 80s, and Fatal Instinct. And last but not least, Lamia Duvall, who plays Eleanor the Gypsy Shopkeeper. She was yeah. in Hel Hellhole and The Lonely Guy, plus a movie named Kenny. I don't know. It went straight to video, guys. It was one of the only things that got me through this film. <laughs> it's those eyes. Yeah, she is purdy. Yeah. So uh, the story for this movie, guys, honestly, I'm going to jump into my thoughts, and you can jump in anytime you want, Brad, by the way. Story is really confusing in the beginning. Uh, I'd say in the first five minutes, I wasn't sure who the main actress was with or what the timeline was, uh, especially because each of the male actors kind of holds her like the love of their lives sort of rushes through the whole beginning as if it's going to like knock out some key points in the story in the book, I guess, which kind of makes sense in the book, but not to me as the viewer. I was confused as fuck. Uh, I felt like it was really unnecessary. Uh, apparently she has some sort of supernatural connection with something uh, without spoiling it. She basically has these visions or warnings that she doesn't really heed till the very end. Um, nothing really happens for a long time in this movie, by the way, guys, except for a couple is like hunted and killed by something you don't see in the woods. Next interesting thing literally is about 50 minutes into the film where she has a vision of furniture moving around in their cabin. And at this point, it's been 50 fucking minutes and I've not seen a fucking werewolf other than a fucking quick snip in the very beginning. It's not until about an hour and 20 fucking minutes that this even makes the movie like anything good about it until that point. And that was where uh, Steve Johnson had a had a fucking gore scene, which was pretty cool. I, it didn't really make sense to me at first. But um, but anyway, the story is these two go on a vac like the writer goes to have a vacation because she's stressed out and she's kind of crazy. And they go on this honeymoon slash vacation. I'm not really sure. 
They had like sex two times, invited everyone they meet over to hang out constantly. Her new husband literally leaves all the time to go into town to fuck the shop gypsy woman or go to L.A. or some other fucking place. So what a hell of a fucking honeymoon. Uh, (laughs) It does follow the original movie in that sense there, but the rest of it is just. Let me tell you, Alex, these two people were despicable. (laughs) This this bitch didn't know her husband was going to be at the place like right away so she like had her boy toy driver there and like invited him in like she was gonna do him and then her husband was there and then her husband's all upset so he starts boning the gypsy and then <laughs> she's he the husband's cheating and she's trying to cheat but she sucks at it she keeps having her dumbass boy toy show up when her husband's home so she constantly getting caught before she can cheat these people sucked I, it's <laughs> didn't it seem like they were like all like, like i don't even know if they were all like in on the kill to fuck each other or they just weren't acting well enough to distinguish between friend and fucking love of your life because but- everybody was like had their arms around each other like friends don't do that sorry yeah man i got a lot of female friends and if i walked up behind them and put my hands around their waist like we would have a fucking conversation yeah that's like an owning kind of thing isn't it <laughs> you know what i mean like Absolutely. basically if your girlfriend sees you doing it with another girl and she wants to stab you you can't do it yeah that's it's weird man like it's and maybe it's a different time but it's not that long ago been watching tv since the fucking early 80s and it was never cool to do that (laughs) that's what i'm thinking like just made no sense um now now, first of all like this movie's fucking slow guys so i mean like movie's really fucking slow and i can get into movies that have a good like suspense or you know some of the story is really good but this isn't a good movie not in any sense it doesn't have little milestones to keep you interested in the boring tale. I will be 100% honest. I, I watched part three normally, but I was sketching in my sketchbook during part four. Like, this is more of a, like, you have to multitask or you'll kill yourself. Yeah, I, I tried to pay attention, and I had to keep getting up and taking breaks. That's I was getting angry. Like, that's how I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's really... <laughs> it's really surprising that I was able to actually sit and watch this movie. I tried to write down scenes that I would like, and that was not easy. Like, I mean, I I couldn't even really hardly make fun of it. It felt like, ugh. And the fact that you don't even see anything interesting until like the hour, six minute, 20 minute mark, you know, it's just bad. And he's banging the gypsy, right? But they're cutting away and you're like, man, like that could be the only interesting thing you could show us would be the gypsy sex and they don't. And then there's a scene where they decide to do it. And I don't know. It felt like it felt like a slap. It wasn't really that much of a payoff. There's literally there's literally over an hour of solid. Nothing's happened. Film. Yeah. And it's pointless. There's like no real like, I don't know if it was just not good camera work. Like none of it was interesting. We don't learn why there's werewolves in this town all at the very end, they just throw in a ritual where these people are straight up like chanting to Satan. And it's like, that doesn't follow the canon of the series. Like werewolves are a tribe or it's a curse in all the other howling movies. And in this one, it's just straight up like invoking the devil to become a wolf. They very, they demonize them literally. And it, it was kind of off putting to me. Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, I'm I'll say this, I'm not even interested in reading the book anymore. If that's if this is a shadow of what it is, then fuck it. I I totally agree with you, Joe Dante. I'm sorry, uh Gary Brandner. I'm just not a fan. Um I'd say I, I mean, I don't want to hate on the fucking movie, but I mean, I really there really is not much I can say other than the two gore scenes in this movie. One really 
decent one and one uh, okay one. But honestly, guys, if you're to watch this movie, just fast forward to the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie if you want to see this. And um, I'd also like to apologize to you, Brad, for not only making you watch this, but uh, also pay money to rent it. So Yeah, it cost me $10 for this double feature, but I enjoyed the first one. And you know what? I've always wanted to be on a podcast. And, you know, if you want to get me back, you just invite me on where we watch a cool movie. <laughs> Make it up to you. Yeah, let's do Nightbeat because <laughs> that's my favorite movie in existence. My, my last thing that I'll say on this is that part four, and I'm sure I'm not the first to say this, is truly a fucking nightmare but not in the way you want it to be, but in the the hatred you have for yourself and those who are involved in this movie, I give this movie two fucking middle fingers out of 10. I don't think I would ever watch this again, but there was gore in it, so I have to give it more than one. This movie is not available on Blu-ray, meaning it will not make it into my collection, and I do not feel regretful about this. Um, but on, on the more traditional five-star system, I give this movie about half a star. <laughs> There were, there were two scenes that had my attention, and that's the sex with the gypsy and the fire at the end. There was a pretty cool-looking werewolf in the fire. However, all the other burning werewolves looked terrible. It was totally like a layered fire. I mean, they were just writhing around pretending to be burning. But that one werewolf special effect shows that the effects artist does have his talent. Even though you had to wait an hour and a half to see him, he looks kind of cool. Yeah, really, it's like... I mean, legitimately, guys, you just want to you want to know what the fucking story is about. Girl goes to cabin, sees visions of a fucking uh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm no. ruining this for you, but I'm, prob- I'm helping you so that you don't like do damage to yourself. She sees a, a, a nun and the nun tries to warn her about everything that's happening in the town of Drago. And so everybody's like pretending to be nice when they're really just werewolves trying to eat them and change them. And uh yeah. So just watch after that, you could just watch the the last 15 minutes of the film and you're done. So now there is some trivia about this film. uh, If anybody gives a shit, Um, (laughs) apparently the budget was so low that the movie had to be remade without sound. So they they didn't have any sound when they they actually filmed this and all the audio had to be dubbed in post. So. Yeah, I, I, which makes no goddamn sense to me. But it did seem dubbed. I was like, is this in a, another fucking country or something? Did you notice it? I did not. But that might have been because I was watching the movie like over my sketchbook because nothing was going on. It co- totally could have been an audio play for about 70 percent of it. <laughs> well, another piece of trivia. Apparently, John Howe was thwarted many times by the producer, Clive Turner, who also helped write this at every single step of the way because John Howe, the director, wanted to try to alter the script because he hated it while the production was like being made. And after uh, Howe turned in his version, Turner went out and shot tons of new scenes and edited the film to the liking of his interests. And he, he, he wanted and constantly fought with Howe about this. So apparently in an interview with Fangoria, the director said that there wasn't a script when they went to go make the film. So <laughs> the script apparently was written by Freddie Rowe, and he also had notes and messages from him as well as additional pages. However, Hal tried to ask for Rowe's number or an address so he could reach him about this, and he was denied every time. So he expect he basically suspected that Rowe was actually Clive Turner himself, supposedly because he and Turner never got along, and Turner kept 
trying to make power plays as he wanted to be a producer and director. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this shit's going on behind the scenes. Like, he's making up some fake guy. <laughs> so I don't even know if that that other guy, Freddie Rowe, is actually a real person. Now, that story is more interesting than what we saw in the film. <laughs> right? <laughs> Apparently, the director also really loved Joe Dante's The Howling, so he wanted to, you know, he was excited to make a sequel in any any facet whatsoever. So he was eager to do a werewolf movie for the first time, uh, but, you know, obviously he hated the final result due to the changes that they made. So, But Clive Turner, who's the producer and writer and possibly Freddie Rowe, also went had an interview with Fango uh, that he was disappointed with the director, but they ended up with a reasonable film. So a lot of interesting things that happen behind the scenes, folks. <laughs> did you also notice that the house was like a two story cabin? And when you did the exterior shots, it was a single. Absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what the fuck? Apparently that's, it was, it was a different house on the outside. So <laughs> that is the hardest of stupid werewolf houses. <laughs> that's a doctor who reference for all you horror fans that don't know what the hell i'm talking about it's like a phone booth and when you oh, go inside oh like, i see it. what you're saying it's it's bigger on the inside correct yeah <laughs> well brad did you have any fucking scenes that uh you could uh point out if i have to pick two scenes that stood out well yeah i waited to see the gypsies boobs and i got to they weren't what i wanted them to be but that scene was the first <laughs> smile that crossed my face <laughs> Pure cinema here, folks. Pure. This is uh it's literally probably the one of the highlights of the film though. Uh it's honestly. I think uh there was like the funny thing about that too is like the whole build up to them having sex too, by the way, is this guy's fucking newly married and him and his wife, the main actress, go into the store and he's fucking like eye fucking her. As she flirts with him in front of her fucking wife. Like, and it's plainly obvious. Like, and I don't know if it's just because he's used to working on Days of Our Lives. Uh, and that had to be, like, overdone. But, yeah, it was pretty funny to be. One of my favorite uh, or scenes is the melt scene, clearly. You know, her husband gets scratched by a werewolf or wolf or whatever the fuck it is. It, it looks like his body had a bad case of melting man syndrome, pretty much. But it's really kind of cool and definitely not what I thought was going to happen when, when he changed. Like, he literally turns into a big pile of mush into the ground and then grows to a werewolf from there. So yeah, that's where I realized the lore of the movie was going to be different, because what I'm guessing now that I know now that I've seen the whole film, he melts and dies and sinks into hell and then is birthed back up from hell as Satan's tool, the werewolf. <laughs> Um, it was an interesting scene. It was cool to watch, but like the first time it was happening, I was so like, what the fuck is going on that like, you know, I, now that I know, I think I would enjoy it more. But at first, the, you know, the nerd in me was like, this makes no sense. <laughs> Dude, and, and it's weird, too, because they kill the fucking werewolves in the movie by fire. They're from hell. So what the fuck? Yeah, it was just weird and surprising because I'd never. I mean, it, the scene is cool if it has no context, but the context is just weird that that's that's how werewolves turn is. Yeah, it's just weird. Um, obviously, there's only one other scene. So this is going to be both of us talking about this. The only other scene worth the shit is the fire at the end. 
And uh, it's very bizarre because she just walks into a building and there's a priest there and he's like, you're right, we are werewolves. And then he turns into the weirdest transformation where he rips his own face off. The goblin doctor is what I like to call him. (laughs) He rips his mouth off. (laughs) Then the other chick burns the place down. And she's supposed to ring a bell to get all the werewolves to show up, but they're fucking showing up before she rings the bell. So I'm not sure what the hell the editor was doing. Like there are literally a dozen black wolves jumping into the windows. Yeah. Yeah. And then she starts ringing the bell and then they show a few more jump in. And you have no idea what characters are in the church until they're dying. And then you can kind of be like, oh, there's her husband. Oh, there's the gypsy. Oh, I kind of see them burning in the background. (laughs) (laughs) marie pushes the car into the church and it explodes killing janice her friend yes like fuck you janice like what the fuck poor janice in this movie by the way who's a huge fan of marie who is she's marie is a writer and janice is like was a previous nun who apparently likes her writing (laughs) i don't know why and the whole time in this movie the whole fucking time is telling her all these crazy visions she has not once does janice fucking doubt her or make fun of her or anything and just fucking goes along with it she's there to help her out of the blue there's some complete stranger who's just a fan of her work they go and they do all this like you know you know investigation about what the fucking tower was the bell tower and why it burned and who what werewolves have to do with this and there's one moment in in this fucking movie where i mean other than her dying and marie just saying fuck you die janice and marie yells at her she tells her that there's werewolves exist and marie after telling her all this fucking crazy shit that nobody would believe yells at fucking janice like she's fucking crazy i'm like yet yeah, all of her fucking crazy visions that, that she's told janice and believed in is fine like no big deal fuck you marie <laughs> Marie is trash. She fucking killed her friend. She doubted like it, like she's just shit to her friends, man. I mean, didn't even try to figure out if there was a better way to do it. She's just like, I'm going to go in there and ring the bell and then you kill me. Burn the whole fucking place down. And she's like, okay. They didn't even brainstorm. Yeah, they're like, yeah, you let him know. And it's like, was she just sending her to her death? She was just like, not a cool move, Marie. Like, what was she supposed to do? She locks herself up. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. I don't know, man. This is an abortion. Please don't watch it. Like, watch the scene on YouTube or something like that. I don't know. I'm sorry if anybody likes this. If you need gypsy boobs, there's a better search bar to type it into, I'm sure. (laughs) I don't know, man. This movie, and, and clearly you guys know, I mean, if we had to pick one of these two movies to beat the other, it would definitely be part three. Yeah, Howling 3 is like... it it gained a full star and a half after I saw how bad it could have been. And in, in the whole scheme of one through four, I would say they go in from best to worst in chronological Absolutely. order. Absolutely. So. And then and once five, you know, I know you're going to be covering this later, but the five and six are quite good to me. I haven't, I don't remember. I've seen these movies. Like I remember three. I don't remember four and, and probably good reason why if I had seen it, you'd probably forget it too. So I don't know. I hope I like five and six because we're going to be doing that next month. So I think, I think you will. They're, they're, they're a little cheesy. Like I liked them better when I was, you know, 14 or whatever, but I, they still hold up. I mean, one's a classic castle story, and then the other one I can't ruin, but there's a circus involved, and it's great. 
Well, it's called The Freaks, isn't it? Absolutely. I that vaguely has like remember that one. Characters. It goes beyond just werewolves. You got geeks and some other surprises. Nice. Well, for all you listeners out there, what did you guys think of these movies? If you watched them, I'm sorry if you rented them. I didn't know. I had no idea what to expect from fucking three. I haven't seen forever. I remember it, but four, I did not. So, uh, yeah, if you can get it and you watch it, God bless you. God bless your fucking soul. <laughs> so, Brad, dude, thank you so much for coming on this week. I really appreciate it, man. It really means a lot to me. So we were going to have you on anyway, so it wasn't like you were you were just coming on sooner than you would have. Yeah, this was incredibly fun. I'll, I'll do this anytime you want, man. Like, yeah. I have a little bit of a flair for attention, so uh, I'm happy to do it. Thanks, man. Yeah, seriously, it was fun having you on. And uh, if you get a chance, try that shot. I can't drink for me. So, <laughs> well, I'm going on a cruise where I've got an alcohol pass for 16 free drinks a day. So I'm going to be lit for a week in your honor, sir. 16 drinks a day? That's how much your 400 bucks gets you a week of 16 beverages a day. I wonder if they're all like watered down, though. That would suck. That would suck. <laughs> well, Guys, thank you so much for coming by this week, and uh, we will be back next week. Of course, Brittany will be here. Um, I'm not even sure what the hell we're going to watch next week, so I will try to let you guys know on the social media. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, fucking any place that you can. If you're not on iTunes and you haven't subscribed to us there or any one of those podcast hosting sites, please do. Give us a review or a rating or something. It really does go a long way to help us out. But uh, other than that, guys, stay monsters. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode.